we had a powerful message last week that says we have the power and authority of Jesus whether we feel like it or not. And it's in those times when we feel it's too hard to praise him that we have to come back and say, no, I'm not going to let my feelings rule. Faith is going to rule in my decision to praise him. Such a powerful message last week. It was strong. There was a feeling in the room last week that was strong. It was a mighty message. How long did that message stay strong in you during the week? How long did it take before the cares of the world started to whittle that feeling down? Maybe we didn't feel so powerful on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. For me, I didn't feel very powerful about 8.15 on Thursday morning. I'm sitting in a dentist chair, not feeling so relaxed. One dentist with this high-pitched, ultrasonic, horrible, horrible drilling noise in my, my tooth. And then you know the assistant that stands on the other side with the sucker and the water, squirting that in? I'm lying there thinking, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable here. In fact, I'm starting to feel a large level of discomfort here. In fact, I'm starting to feel fear. I could feel it rising in me. That power and authority stuff, whew, that's a long way away from me sitting here in the dentist chair. But, you know, then God reminded me. He said, Liz, remember what Paul said to Timothy? He said, you don't have a spirit of fear. You've got a spirit of power. And I went, oh, how quickly I forgot the sermon on Sunday. I have a spirit of power. And not only that, I've got a spirit of love and I've got a spirit of sound mind right here in the dentist chair. It doesn't leave It stays with you no matter what your circumstances. And then the feelings came back and said, I don't feel very powerful here. And I'm certainly not feeling the love towards the dentist. And I'm certainly not feeling like I got sound mind because, man, my mind is racing. That's the problem, God said. It's your mind. You're focusing on your feelings. You're letting your feelings decide whether or not you're powerful sitting there in the dentist chair. And all of a sudden, he reminds me again. You didn't hear me last time, Liz. You have a spirit of power. Yes, I do. Regardless, I don't feel it. You have a spirit of love and you have a spirit of sound mind. Get your mind back on me and off your feelings. You see, we have the power and authority of Jesus, regardless how we feel or what our circumstances We forget quickly. So today we're going to see how David was able to overcome his feelings with faith. And the best part of the David story is David and Goliath, is it not? That's where you can see, man, he did it. He didn't let those feelings of fear overcome him. But, you know, we're so quick to want to get to the story, to the bit where he gets Goliath in the head and knocks him down, the big giant... We sometimes miss the reason he was able to be so fearless and a man full of faith fighting Goliath is because of all the events leading up to that in his life. God took him through all these little situations requiring him to show faith. And it's all those little situations leading up to fighting Goliath that actually built up 
a habit of making decisions of faith, not of feeling. So today, we need to proclaim the promises of God in faith and reclaim our power to overcome. We give it away. We give it away every day, every time we agree with our feelings. We're going to come back to the Word of God, which is a powerful sword to fight in our spiritual battles every single day. Don't be fooled. It's going on every single day. Proclaim the Word of God and you will reclaim your power to overcome. It's the truth. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you today, imperfect, failing human beings. But that's not all. We come to you with your spirit alive, your powerful spirit, your spirit of love living within us. A spirit that gives us a sound mind. Lord Jesus, remind us again, we keep forgetting this. Lord Jesus, we come to you and ask you, remind us that we can overcome because you give us the power and you give us the authority. Help us not to be swayed by the strong emotions that come to take us away from that truth. Lord Jesus, help us open our eyes today, open our hearts today to the truth of your word. In your holy name. Amen. So do you remember this picture last week? This picture last week tells us a little bit about emotions because the health of our emotions, the spiritual health of our emotions is really important. Now I want to say right up front, sometimes emotions are bagged as being bad, but emotions aren't bad. And the reason we know emotions aren't bad is because God had emotions. The Bible is full of lots of different descriptions of, go- of God's pleasure, God's anger, God's jealousy. So if God has emotions, they're good. So this isn't to say emotions are bad. Emotions actually help us make much better decisions when they're in the yellow. You see, in the yellow, we have a feeling of discomfort sitting in the dentist's chair to say, Ooh, it's starting to come. I think I'm, oh, that's a warning sign to say, stop, where's your head? Is it thinking about your feelings to tell you the truth or have you come back to God's promises to tell you the truth? They're natural. They're normal desires. It's when they turn into a lust, which is the rut we talked about last week, and it's a bad lust driving you to do something that is wrong that's when we fall into trouble with emotions. So the yellow emotions are great because they help us. They give us a little warning signal. Whoa, hold on, what's going on? We've got to be careful in the orange zone. That's a danger area. And the, and the thing with the orange zone is that if those emotions are flesh-driven, you're really in trouble. You see, that's this side. Because the Bible also talks about lust as being a good desire. But that's if it's spirit-driven.
And God makes that pretty clear to us. I mean, he says to us, he says, you know what, I'm not that impressed in Revelation, he tells us, when you're lukewarm. In fact, unless you're hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out. So he's looking for us to be hot or cold. He's not looking for a lukewarm, not much emotion in there. So we've got to understand it's not the emotion that's bad. It's what's driving the emotion. Is it your spirit? And that's what God's looking for, hot for him. Or is it your flesh? You're looking to maybe get pleasure for your flesh. So last week we looked at this idea of lust, this idea that strong emotion wants to take you into a rut and then control you to a destination. And this is where we've got to be careful. So strong, strong anger will want you to fight with your fists maybe, fight physically, or more commonly in our culture it's fighting with words. We want to spit some angry words at someone. Man, that anger is driving us to tell you what I think of you. That's the rut of anger when it's driven by the flesh. There's a righteous anger. That's different because we know Jesus got angry and he turned over the tables and the money changes. You see, strong jealousy. We talked about jealousy. It's a problem. It's not just a problem for young women. It's a problem for everybody. Jealousy can drive us to maybe feel like we want to gossip about people. Maybe jealousy is actually driving us to slander somebody because we don't like the fact that they got what we want. You see, that's a rut, the rut of jealousy that says, hmm, you got what I want, hmm, I think I'll badmouth you. There's lots of ruts. The strong emotion of lust is wanting us to run along that rut and fight or flight. It's really wanting us to say, do you know what? When I get angry, I want to fight you. So we've got to be careful with the rut that wants to fight. So here's the fighting rut. This is the spiral of feelings. Feeling says, I want to fight. But there's another emotion, a strong emotion, which is another rut. And that strong emotion is fear. You see, when we get scared, we don't want to fight. We want to run away. We don't want anything to do with fighting Goliath. We just want to run. So the rut of fear says, you just got to run. It's like, you have to run. There's no option because the feeling is so strong. So we've got to be careful here that when we're making choices here, our feelings of fear don't take us into the rut that says, flight, run. You see, the fear when it's in the yellow zone says, hold on, you've got to stop because if this gets stronger, you'll be in the rut to run away. Same with anger, same with jealousy. It's like, be careful, warning. Be careful you don't jump in the rut because unrighteous, flesh-driven anger ultimately leads to murder. God says to us, if we hold anger against somebody in our hearts, that's like murder. There's physical murder and we see that going on every day. But you know, there's murder in your heart when you hold that anger in there. 
So the fighting comes from an unrighteous anger that wants to murder. The flight, the running away, that ends up in death as well. You see, anything that's flesh-driven ultimately ends up in death. This one right here. So the fighting ends up in murder and the flight, the flight is saying, I can't do anything about it. I don't feel very powerful. I can't manage this. This is all so horrible. I feel so hopeless. This is awful. The world's a scary place. It leads to death too. You see, it leads to suicide. Ultimately, the wrong lust leads to the wrong outcome. It's either death for me or it's death for you. Be careful with strong emotion. We've got to be careful. We don't claim it to be spirit-driven when it's really flesh-driven. We've got to hold on to a truth. When we're feeling like, I can't do this. I don't feel very powerful. The truth is, you have the power and authority of Jesus whether you feel like it or not. It is there. We've got to reclaim it. We've got to proclaim the truth the word of God, and reclaim our power. You see, we have the spirit that is full of power and authority. And do you know what? That leads us to make decisions that lead to life. Life for you and life for me. So we talked this morning about responding to someone gossiping about us or someone saying something nasty to us. We used the example of if a girl came up to you and said, you're a cow. We've got a choice here. We can be flesh-driven and spit back and fight back. Let me tell you what I think of you. We can run away and say, oh, she's probably right, I'm a cow. I can't believe she said I was a cow, that's probably right. Or we can stand. And we can stand on the word of God and say, no, God tells me who I am and what I am. And I don't need to spit back at you and enter your little spirit-driven fight. Now, I'm going to stand with Jesus and I'll let him tell me what to say in meekness and humbleness and love. Maybe the best thing to do is say nothing. Maybe the best thing to do, we come up with some, there's some great ideas, say nothing say thank you you know there's lots of different responses that we can do that will stop people in their tracks and say whoa that's not the response I was expecting you're a little bit different what's driving you something different about you that's a bit odd it's like someone stealing your phone and giving it back how weird is that not weird if God's driving them. So Peter tells us something about how we can overcome with the power and authority of the Spirit of God. So let's read this together. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says to us, His divine power... Stop! Don't ever read the word power again without remembering the truth about power. Do not read that little word power and go, it's divine power, this is all very boring, so glad I read the Bible today, shut it. Every single time you read that word power, 
do not forget you have the power of Jesus whether you feel it or not. It's a truth. This does not say if you feel like it, you have the power. It's got nothing to do with feelings. You have the power. Do not read that word ever again without saying, I have that power, regardless whether I'm feeling sad or happy or mad or jealous. It doesn't matter. You got it. Don't let the devil tell you otherwise. So let's read it again. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Whoa, it's green. This is a go. That's why it's green. Great and precious promises. Through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, who is very powerful. So you see, it's faith in those precious and what? Precious and great promises? They're not precious and tiny little promises. They're great promises. So precious and great promises. That's how we partake in the divine nature with authority and power. Power gives us strength. Power gives us ability. And authority gives us the ability to make the right choice. And then it says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Aha. Uh-huh. So he tells us there's two ways. There's faith in precious and, precious and great promises or... There's lust. So these feelings, we've got to be careful of the ruts of lust. That's what Peter's telling us right there. We have the choice. One is through great and precious promises, but you've got to have faith in them. You can read them every day in the Bible and they'll mean nothing if you just skip over them and say that's a nice idea. Or you can be driven by the ruts of lust. We've got to be careful about the way that we're actually making everyday decisions. Let's have a closer look at lust. It's an important word to understand. In the Greek, it means a desire, craving, longing, mostly of evil desires. Frequently translated as lust is used in the following of good desires. So here's three examples where lust could be a good thing, a good desire, a good emotion. Of the Lord's wish concerning the last Passover in Luke twenty-two fifteen, Jesus said, I have eagerly desired, that's lust, to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You see, this is spiritually driven, strong emotion. He eagerly desires that strong lust. There's another example of Paul's desire to be with Christ. That desire is lust and his desire to see the saints at Thessalonica again. But we've got to be careful because there's only three examples there. There's lots of other examples in the Bible which are evil desires, evil lust. They're flesh-driven. So if you're feeling really strong, strong emotion that's taking you into a rut and I just can't control it, I've just got to do this thing, stop. Be careful before you think, no, this is spirit-driven. 
because it's mostly evil desire behind lust. And remember we said, but God says to us in Revelation that he doesn't want us to be lukewarm, he wants us to be hot or cold. Understand what hot or cold means. It says in cold, in mind. It's someone who's destitute, who doesn't have any warm Christian faith and the desire for holiness. So he's saying be hot, really desire holiness, really desire to be more like Jesus every single day. That's what we've got to be hot about. Not to be the prettiest girl on the block. Not to be the person with the best house. Not to be the one with the beautiful clothes. Not to have desires to be like the world, but to be holy. That's what he's looking for. So to be cold is to say, in mind, you don't have any of that desire at all to be holy or like Jesus. And to be hot, that says, again, a fervor of mind and zeal. So your mind is just wanting so much and thinking about and meditating on how to become just like Jesus. That's what he's looking for. So God wants us to engage our mind here. He wants to make sure that our mind is engaged. You see, we have two very important weapons in the weaponry cabinet. Ephesians 6 says to us, there's two weapons And when we look at Goliath and David's day, they always carried two weapons. They had a sword and they had a spear. And we've got to remember we need both. So Ephesians 6 tells us we need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you know what? You've got to use your mind and your spirit to engage in the Word of God. But you don't include your mind... You've got to sit with the Word of God and engage your mind and your heart in the Word of God. You've got to be thinking about the Word of God. You've got to be reciting the Word of God because your sword needs to be ready and sharp because you just don't know when someone's going to come and say, you're a cow. You need the sword every single day. That's the Word of God. But you know what? We need a second offensive item in spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 says you need prayer. Not when you feel like praying. You need prayer every single day to fight every battle every single day. So we need the spear of prayer and we need the sword of the word of God. We need both to proclaim the promises of God and reclaim his power. So we can overcome any attack. You see, there's a beautiful scripture which God reminded me of in the dentist chair this week. It comes from 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. We've got to remember what? We've got to stop and say, That power is mine regardless of what's going on in my life, regardless whether I feel like I'm doing well in life, regardless whether I'm doing well, regardless whether other people think I'm doing well, I have the power of God. I've got to stop, recognize that every single day because the feelings are going to feel powerful. They're going to tell you that you're not powerful. They're going to tell you that you can't do this. But we've got a spirit of power, of love and of sound mind. Fear says, no, you can't do it. Fear says, no, you've got to panic. You've got to either fight or flight. But we don't have a spirit of fear. 
unless you give in to it. You see, we have a mighty God living inside of us, helping us to overcome every single situation we face. So what I want to do is look at the story of David and Goliath to show us how David did this and how other characters in the story did this. So if you can open your Bibles at 1 Samuel, which is in the Old Testament. So 1 Samuel, and we'll be reading from chapter 16, verses 6 and 7 to begin with. So while you're doing that, I'll just tell you a little bit about the characters that we're going to talk about. So Samuel will be in this story. And Samuel was a man dedicated to God. He was a priest. He was a prophet. He was the last judge. So Samuel is very dedicated to God. He's listening to God. He's obeying God. And the very last judge. Then we have Saul. Now, Saul is an extremely good-looking, strong-looking man. And he was the very first king of Israel. And Saul had been very successful in winning a number of battles because he obeyed God. But then he decided he may not really want to do what God said and the way he asked him to fight his battle. So he started disobeying God. And because he started disobeying God... God actually said to Samuel, I want you to appoint another king. And he said to him, I want you to appoint a king from one of the sons of Jesse. So Jesse had eight sons. The youngest son was David. And the eldest son was Eliab. So we have Samuel. We have Saul. We have David. We have Eliab, and then we have Goliath. And Goliath is the giant. He's in the Philistine army. He's a huge, huge, intimidating character. And he used to use intimidation and terroration and tried to get people to invoke in the fear response, that is, to run away from him. So they're the characters in the story. So let's start reading from verse number 6. So verse 6 says, So it was when they came that he, they're talking about Samuel. Whoa, is that the right one? Yeah. So it was when they came that he, Samuel, looked at Eliab. So remember Eliab was the oldest son and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. That is, surely the Lord wants Eliab to be the next king. He's big and strong. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. So he's saying, No, he's not to be the next king. And then he explains, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So you see, already we can be tempted by the outward appearance and think, Wow, he looks big and strong. I'm sort of feeling like he'd be a good king. God says, no, I look at the heart. So let's jump now to 1 Samuel 16 and go to verse 12. And what's happened since then is that, remember Jesse had eight sons. 
And Samuel goes up to each son and God says, no, I haven't chosen him. The next one, no, I haven't chosen him. The next one, no, I haven't chosen him. So Jesse's now put forward seven of his sons and God says, no, they're not the chosen one. He says, no, what I want you to do, Jesse, is send for your youngest son, David. And he said, oh, he's looking after the sheep. Go get him. So this is what happens next from verse 12. So Jesse sent and brought him, David, in. Now David was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him, and note, in the midst of his brothers. So his brothers are watching as their youngest brother is getting anointed. That's important. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The NIV says, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So again, doesn't matter how David's feeling, he has the power of the spirit of God. And it's that same power that David had to fight and win the battle against Goliath that resides in you and me. So he has the power of God, we have the power of God. David was able to use the power and authority of God to fight Goliath and so can we. Whatever battle you face, whatever Goliath is happening in your life, you can overcome him too. Let's jump now to 1 Samuel 17 verse 4. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. So we read, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, which is nine feet, nine inches, or that's about three metres tall. So I'm about just over one and a half metres, so double my height. That's how big Goliath was. He was huge and intimidating. So huge and intimidating in physical appearance, He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels. So that's about 57 kilos just with his helmet of bronze. So I weigh about that. So that's just in his helmet. So think about his armour. He's using physical strength and weight to fight his battles. And he had bronze armour on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, that's about 7 kilos, and a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out in the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants." But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So do you notice intimidation not only in size and strength and physical appearance, but is using intimidation in his words which is the battle that we encounter every single day, a spiritual battle of words. People use intimidation tactics every single day, using their words. Now, note the very next sentence. When Saul, so remember Saul is the current king who was disobeying God, 
And all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Okay. Greatly afraid. Where are we on the chart if we're greatly afraid? Are we yellow or are we orange? We're orange. So when we're orange, when we're greatly afraid, do we need to be cautious and thinking, oh, greatly afraid, strong fear. Hmm, maybe that's the rut of flying away, fearing, getting out of the way, not going near Goliath. You see, there's a danger here. And Saul and the Israelites fell straight into the rut of flying away, getting away, running away. The intimidation tactics worked. But you know, Saul doesn't have the strength of God. Saul is using his fleshly power. He's using his appearance and his intimidation tactics through his words. And they fell for it because they let their emotions decide. He looks scary. He sounds scary. I'm out of here. They let their emotions tell them, I can't win. I don't feel very powerful. Certainly now I've looked at him and heard him. I can't do it. But you see, that's the same tactics that our enemy uses now. It's no different. And God's saying, what are you doing? Are you letting people's physical appearance and their words intimidate you so you jump into the rut of, oh, I'm scared. I don't feel very powerful. I'm out of here. Gone. It's no different. It's absolutely no different. You see, our flesh screams at us unless we stop and say, it doesn't matter what I'm feeling. I have the power and authority of Jesus. And he's stronger because he who is in me is stronger than he that's in the world. That's the truth. That's the great and precious promise that my mind is going to engage in and be hot for. I want to be hot for the promises of God. I want to be hot for the word of God. That's what we need to get excited about, not the fleshly threatening words. These are fiery arrows. I'm not saying they don't hurt us. I'm not saying that we don't feel them. We feel those fiery arrows of the nasty words that people say to us. But we've got a shield of faith that we can put up to absorb the fiery dart. So you tell me I'm a cow, I'm putting up the shield of faith. I don't care what you call me. If it's not in line with the word of God, you're just going to bounce off my shield of faith. That's what God wants us to be hot about. That's what we've got to do every single day. We don't recognize those words as being a spiritual attack. You're being attacked every single day. You're letting them in. As soon as you say, oh, they got you. Well, they got you when you want to tell them, well, you're a bigger cow. doesn't matter. They got you either way. You jumped into the rut. But you don't have to jump in the rut. You have the power of God regardless. You see, we've got to remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Stop! Every time you read it, every time you think about it, you've got dunamis. You've got power. It doesn't go away. And it's so much more powerful than anything the flesh can come up with. Because the battle has been won, just like Jade said. You don't, you don't have to battle it. You just stand 
Put your shield up and stand. The battle's won. They can't get you unless you put your shield down and say, oh, those little precious promises in the Bible, oh, I didn't really get it anyway. We talked about the importance of reading something in the Bible, not really getting it, saying that's a bit boring and turning the page. You're not going to have these great and precious promises unless you engage your mind and say, I don't get that. Maybe I need to look that word up. Maybe I need to talk to somebody. And maybe I need to ask God to help me understand these great and precious promises so I can meditate on things above, not the stuff in the world. The stuff of the world just says, put your faith shield down so the fiery arrows can go straight into your heart. It's nasty. We've got to remember, when we feel afraid, we've got to go to the Word of God. There's plenty of promises. Take this one. So this one's based on Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. We can say with confidence, with the faith that David had, that overcame the enemy, we can say, no one can stand against me. As God was with Moses, so God is with me. God will never leave me or forsake me. We can recite this 20 times. And by the 18th or 19th time, something will have changed in you. Because you've got the Spirit of God working in you through his word. It's powerful. These are no just ordinary words. These are the word of God. This is a sword. We've got to remember the word of God is there to help us. It's a weapon. Prayer is there to help us. It's another weapon. Don't ever put them away. We need them every day. Let's go back to David and Goliath. So we're up to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26 and 28. Let's keep reading. Well, 26 to 28. What's happening now? Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach? He's talking about taking away the disgrace or the shame from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. See, there was three things that were going to be promised. The king said you'd have great wealth if you could overcome Goliath. He said that you'd have my daughter in marriage and you wouldn't have to pay taxes. So there was a huge reward here. Saul was scared. Saul was the king. He's the one giving up this reward. He's saying, somebody fight. I don't want to. I'm too scared. I'm too busy being in the rut of being fearful. Now Eliab. Now remember Eliab is the oldest son. Now remember God said it's not him. And remember Eliab was there and watched when David was anointed as the next king. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused. Whew, we've got to stop. There's emotion there going on. So aroused, another word for aroused, the King James says kindled. So it means to be hot, to be furious, to burn with anger. So Eliab's anger was hot, furious and burning when he was listening to his little brother. Where's Eliab on the chart? Is he in yellow or orange? 
He's orange. Orange says, be careful. Orange wants to take you into the rut of fighting, either with your fists or your words, or for running away, for flighting. So at that point, we've got to say, whoo, got to be careful. So what happens next? Let's see. Let's keep reading. Now Eliab and his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the man and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence, which is wickedness or disrespect. I know the disrespect of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. Which rut did Eliab just jump in? Did he jump in the rut to fight or flight? Because you can fight with your fists, but you can fight with your words too. You listen to his words. I know your pride and have the insolence of your heart, for you come down to see the battle. They're fighting words. That anger was aroused, that anger was kindled, he was hot and burning, and he was going to spit it out to David. Driven by flesh. You see, this is hot words. These are fighting words. He watched David in front of him and now starts accusing him. Here they come. He's in the rut to fight. And it's through the words. That's how he's fighting here. These are fighting words. And they're in an arrow directed directly at David's heart. So David has a choice. He can spiral down and be driven by his flesh Or he can spiral up with the power and authority of God. Let's see how David handled this. You see, he could make a feeling choice or a faith choice. But remember, David, like you and me, he's anointed with the same spirit of power, of love and sound mind that you and I have. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we feel like David is so mighty and more powerful than us, but he's no different to us. He's got the same God and the same power living inside of him that you and I have. He didn't go for this fiery arrow of doubt. And those fiery arrows of doubts come to us on a regular basis. You see, at this point, when the fiery arrow of doubt comes, we need to remember I have the power and authority of Jesus. Even when the doubt is coming to me, even when I'm starting to believe it, it's like, no, I don't believe it. I have the power and authority of God. Your words are not going to budge me into flying and running away from you or to attack you back. You see, Jesus said to us something really important. He said, In Matthew 10.36, he said, A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. So we should not think it strange when people in our own families, when people in our own church, when people in our own school, people that are close to us fire these fiery darts at us. We shouldn't be surprised. Jesus said it would happen. So if you're expecting it, it won't surprise you. It won't trip you up. It happened to David again and again as he got ready to fight Goliath. Let's have a look at David's response. So we're still in chapter 17, verses 29 to 32. 
Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. Let me repeat that. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. So he responded meekly, not with fighting words. And then he got on with it. He got on with the work of God. See, the whole idea of the fiery arrow is to instill doubt in you so that you stop. There was an attack on David to stop him from fighting Goliath. You see, we've got to understand that these fiery words that are hitting us are intended to stop the work of God that we're doing every day. We've got to recognise what's behind the words. There's a fiery arrow directed straight at your heart. We continue on. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. You see, it's the arrow's going straight for our heart, straight to our mind, so our mind's lukewarm. Straight to our heart, so our heart's lukewarm. Straight to the inner person, so we become lukewarm. The doubt says, mm, maybe I'm not so powerful after all. Maybe I can't win. Maybe there's not a God. Oh, mm, maybe I shouldn't fight. Maybe I should flight. Saul's run away. The whole Israelite army's run away. What am I doing? That's the problem. The doubt wants to undermine us. We've got to understand that words can hurt if we let them into our heart. But the beautiful thing is that words can heal too because God has given us great promises in his word and his words can heal. If we've let those fiery darts in before, his words can heal the hurts that other people have said to us. And maybe they said those words 20 years ago. Because, you know, when I was sitting in that dentist chair, do you know why I got so scared all of a sudden when I'm lying there in the dentist chair and he's drilling away, she's drilling away and the suction thing's happening and the water thing's happening? I was fine, really. I was in no danger. But the reason I started to get that fear response and I wanted to jump in the rut and run away is because when I was a little girl, about eight, this... So I lived way out in central Queensland and they... They send all the trainee dentists out there, I think, that are halfway through their training. Why are you nodding, Ben? Have you been through this? So when I'm eight, I'm sitting in the dentist chair. He starts, and he doesn't have an assistant because, you know, you're in the country, you're flat out getting a dentist, let alone a dental assistant. So he's got the drill because I've got a hole in my tooth and he's got the water and he's got the suction thing happening and he's trying to hold all of that. That's not going so well, so there's water going everywhere. I'm starting to cough and splutter. He stops, yells at me, don't be so stupid, be quiet. Those words came back to me when I was lying there. It was like, <gasps> but you see, that fiery arrow got in. And even though, that was a long time ago, I'm not going to tell you how long, but actually nearly 40 years if I think about it, way back then, those Words come back, and do you know what's attached to that memory? Strong emotion. Words from 40 years ago. Seriously, and they weren't even that bad. I hope someone said that to me now. But I was eight, and he was an adult. 
So we've got to be careful and understand the power of words. There's a fiery arrow in a lot of words. But you know what? If the arrow's gone in, God's word and God's spirit can heal too. So it's not the end. It's not the end. And God was with me. He reminded me, Liz, you don't have a spirit of fear. It's like, oh, yeah. I've got to say that a few times. In fact, it would have been even better if I could have said them out loud because as soon as you say the word out loud, all of a sudden you're starting to stand. A bit hard with all that stuff in your mouth. It doesn't work. But, you know, speaking out the word of God, his great, great promises, and they're precious promises. They've got power. We've got the power back. You've got to put the shield up. You see, reckless words, Proverbs says, they pierce like a sword. And the problem is we've not only received reckless words, we've given reckless words too. But the second half of the proverb says, but wise words, they heal. And we've got a mighty wise God with some really wise words. So we can go to the word of God and he can heal us. And we can go to the word of God and we can use those words to heal others too. His mighty spirit is full of mighty words. We just forget to put our sword on the word of God. We forget to put the javelin on to pray and talk to him. We've got to remember when we're feeling scared, when we're feeling angry, when we're feeling jealous, get out your sword and get out your spear. That's what you need. So back to the story, 1 Samuel 17, 33 to 37. Read with me. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Notice the pattern. This is the third time David's been attacked with words. It's the third time leading up to the battle against Goliath. It seems obvious now, doesn't it? It's like anything to get him away from the work of God. It's the same for us. You might survive one battle. In fact, you might survive and overcome beautifully one battle of words, but don't be surprised if there's another or another. It happened to David. It's going to happen to you and me. Now let's look what David did. Did he spiral up with the power and authority of the spirit? Or did he spiral down and go with his feelings like, ooh, I am just a youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, whenever you read that word, stop. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. There's the precious and great promise of God. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So David 
He was faithful through every situation he faced as a young man. He learnt to rely on God when he was looking after the sheep. He was able to fight the bear and fight the lion because he had faith in Jesus to help him fight the bear and fight the lion. So then he could come back to that now when he has to fight Goliath and say, the same God that helped me then is going to help me now. There's my shield of faith. It's just going to suck up all the doubt that was just heading straight for my heart from those words of doubt from King Saul. And we can do the same thing. We've got to recognise that every situation we face each day is a new opportunity to express faith. You see, Jesus said in a parable in Matthew twenty-five, twenty-three. he says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. It's being faithful in the few things, the little things that make us ruler over the big things, the big attacks. And then the most beautiful promise, enter into the joy of your Lord. So we can grab onto the fickle feelings that go with situations in our lives that come and go, or we can grab onto the joy of the Lord. That's a strength, a permanent position of joy. Not happy when we've got our Christmas present or happy when we win $50 from a scratch it. But the joy of the Lord is constant. doesn't matter your circumstances. That's the real emotion that satisfies our soul. Not the fickle happiness that comes and goes. So let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Not the emotions that come and go with circumstances. We can go forth, you know, to battle every day with the faith of David. And you know, the powers of darkness, they will not stand against you. Because they cannot stand against the power and the authority of a living God inside of you. So we've got power and we've got authority. Whether we feel like it or not. So we're going to have a time of prayer and we're going to use this time of prayer today to overcome some of the fiery doubts or the fiery darts that have been aimed at our heart for years. So the fiery darts that have gotten in. You see, the fiery darts are really trying to undo our hearts, to wrestle us, to shake us. And those fiery darts are words that are trying to invoke an emotion in us that says, I'm so scared. You see, there's plenty of people that use intimidation tactics and maybe they've used them on you. There's plenty of people that are trying to scare you, hoping you'll run away. So they can control things. Happens all the time. There's plenty of situations in life where fear drives us into the rut to run away. Stop and think, what are the fiery darts that have been aimed at you? What are the nasty words that have been said to you? 
What are the words that are undermining your self-worth? Not even feeling worthy to maybe even feel the power and authority of God. It's okay for everyone else, but not for me because I'm not actually worthy of his power and authority. Because you know what? I've heard lots of nasty words said to me that said, you won't come to much. You're a nothing. You're not good enough. You see, these fiery darts of doubt will say, yeah, that might apply to someone else, but not you. You're a bit different. You see, we've got to take these fiery darts and say, no more. We've got to come back to God's word. We've got to proclaim God's word and reclaim his power to overcome every fiery dart that's been fired at our hearts. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for showing us a different way to live. That we don't have to live like the world lives. We don't have to be doing what everyone else does. We don't have to be stuck in these ruts, Lord. Lord, help us to understand that fear takes us straight into the rut of running away. Lord Jesus, help us to understand that anger takes us into the rut that wants us to fight with our fists or fight with our words. Lord, help us to see that these are just fiery darts aimed at our heart. Lord, help us to pull out that beautiful and powerful shield of faith with the great and precious promises from your word. Help us to understand that we can overcome every attack, every fiery dart. We don't need to be scared, Lord Jesus. We don't need to be angry. We don't need to be jealous. We don't need to jump into any rut driven by a lust that's asking us to do something that's not righteous. Lord Jesus, help us to stand in your strength and in your spirit. We pray in your holy and your precious name. Amen.